Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, to the Hemming Brainiac podcast. To talk about book four, chapter 15 of the Hemming of War and Peace, sorry. What do you think about Nikolai's response and thought process as he arrived home and witnessed his happy family? Why do you think he was so taken with Natasha's singing towards the end and any predictions on what will happen with his debt? Twisted Everywhere says, Is anyone picking up some weird clues about Natasha and Denisov? There was an earlier chapter where they had some moments, and in this chapter it mentions she took up singing more because Denisov liked it, and he's planning to stay extra days on account of her. Is there some kind of romance brewing in the background here? Eh, I'm not still still not on the Nikolai train and don't really like him. I don't think there is any way Dolokhov would just forgive this debt, so he's being way too optimistic and naive here. I can understand why you wouldn't like Nikolai. The thing I like about him is he's so transparent, you know, and young. He's young and dumb, and I don't know. There's something endearing about watching a young man make stupid, stupid mistakes, but the th- I think his redeeming quality is that he does seem to be learning every time he makes a mistake. He's so hard on himself. He really takes things to heart. He really feels his mistakes. And so I, you, know, you get the impression that he is developing into a sensible person eventually, hopefully. But at this point, he's just young and stupid. Um, now, Denisov and Natasha... Uh, Warren Kovofi said, isn't there a bit of an age gap between those two? I don't recall Denisov's age, but I'm not mistaken, Denisov was already in the service a number of years before Rostov joined. If that's the case, Denisov is, what, 24 or 25, and Natasha just recently turned 13. I think she's now 14 or maybe even 15. Um, There's a weird age gap that happens um, in the book. It's almost like an error of their ages. Um, But yeah, there is a huge age gap. There was something said in a previous chapter, a couple of chapters ago, that made me think that there was some kind of a romance brewing, or at least Denisov has taken a liking to Natasha. But um, maybe it's not a romantic liking. Who knows? Angel of the Dawn said, It is so incredibly hard to only read one chapter at a time right now. Yeah. I'm glad, though. You know, that's better than it being hard to get through the daily chapter, which is, you know, that's kind of what happened back in book two. If you remember back to book two, we were all struggling to keep moving at all, and now we're struggling to restrain ourselves from reading quicker. This is the better place to be, I think. Um, All right, moving right along. Keep it short and sweet today, I think. I have not translated the chapter. My apologies, I haven't done many. I think I've only done one in the last couple of weeks. Um, So that's not exactly what I wanted to do, but hey, I guess, um, yeah, life gets in the way, apparently. Let's read chapter 16. Anyway, it goes like this. It was long since Rostov had felt such enjoyment from music as he did that day, but no sooner had Natasha finished her bow coroli than reality again presented itself. He got up without saying a word and went downstairs to his own room. A quarter of an hour, <clears throat> excuse me. A quarter of an hour later, the old count came in from his club, cheerful and contented. Nicholas, hearing him drive up, went to meet him. 
Well, had a good time, said the old count, smiling gaily and proudly at his son. Nicholas tried to say yes, but he could not, and he nearly burst into sobs. The count was lighting his pipe and did not notice his son's condition. Ah, it can't be avoided, thought Nicholas, for the first and last time, and suddenly, in the most casual tone, which made him feel ashamed of himself, he said, as if merely asking his father to let him have the carriage to drive to town, Papa, I've come on a matter of business. I was nearly forgetting. I need some money. Dear me, said his father, who was in especially good humour. I told you it would not be enough. How much? Very much, said Nicholas, flushing, and with a stupid, careless smile, for which he was long unable to forgive himself. I have lost a little. I mean a good deal, a great deal. Forty-three thousand. What? To whom? Nonsense, cried the Count, suddenly reddening with an apoplectic flush over neck and nape, as old people do. I promised to pay tomorrow, said Nicholas. Well, said the Count, spreading his arms and sinking helplessly into the sofa. It can't be helped. It happens to everyone, said the son, with a bold, free and easy tone, while in his soul he regarded himself as a worthless scoundrel whose life could not atone for his crime. He longed to kiss his father's hands and kneel to beg his forgiveness, but said in a careless and even rude voice that it happens to everyone. The old count cast down his eyes on hearing his son's words and began bustlingly searching for something. Yes, yes, he muttered. It will be difficult, I fear. Difficult to raise. Happens to everybody. Yes, who's not done it? And with a furtive glance at his son's face, the Count went out of the room. Nicholas had been prepared for resistance, but had not at all expected this. Papa, papa, he called after him, sobbing, forgive me. And seizing his father's hand, he pressed it to his lips and burst into tears. While father and son were having their explanation, the mother and daughter were having one not less important. Natasha came running to her mother, quite excited. Mama, mama, he has made me... Made what? Made made me an offer, Mama. Mama, she exclaimed. The Countess did not believe her ears. Denisov had proposed. To whom? To this chit of a girl, Natasha, who not so long ago was playing with dolls and was still having lessons. Don't, Natasha, what nonsense, she said, hoping it was a joke. Nonsense indeed, I'm telling you the fact, said Natasha indignantly. I came to ask you what to do, and you call it nonsense. The Countess shrugged her shoulders. If it is true that Monsieur Denisov has made you a proposal, tell him he is a fool, that's all. No, he's not a fool, replied Natasha, indignantly and seriously. Well, then what do you want? You're all in love nowadays. Well, if you're in love, marry him, said the Countess with a laugh of annoyance. Good luck to you. No, Mama, I will not. I'm not in love with him, I suppose. I'm not in love with him. Well, then tell him so. Mama, are you cross? Don't be cross, dear. Is it my fault? No, but what is it, my dear? Do you want me to go and tell him? said the Countess, smiling. No, I'll do it myself. Only tell me what to say. It's all very well for you, said Natasha, with a responsive smile. You should have seen how he said it. I know he did not mean to say it, but it came out accidentally. Well, all the same, you must refuse him. No, I mustn't. I'm so sorry for him. He's so nice. Well, then accept his offer. It's time time for you to be married, answered the Countess sharply and sarcastically. No, Mama, but I am so sorry for him, I don't know how I'm to say it. And there's nothing for you to say, I shall speak to him myself, said the Countess, indignant that they should have dared to treat this little Natasha as a grown-up. 
No, not on any account. I will tell him myself and you will listen at the door. And Natasha ran across the drawing room to the dancing hall where Denisov was sitting on the same chair by the clavichord with his face in his hands. He jumped at the sound of her light step. Natalie, he said, moving with rapid steps toward her, decide my fate. It is in your hands. Vasily Dmitrich, I am so sorry for you, but... No, but you are so nice. But it won't do, not that. But as a friend I shall always love you. Denisov bent over her hand and she heard strange sounds she did not understand. She kissed his rough, curly black head. At this instance they heard instant they heard the quick rustle of the countess's dress, then she came up to them. Vasily Dmitrich, thank you for the honour, she said with an embarrassed voice, though it sounded severe to Denisov, but my daughter is so young, and I thought that, as my son's friend, you would have addressed yourself to first to me. In that case you would not have obliged me to give this refusal. Countess said Denisov, with downcast eyes and a guilty face. He tried to say more, but faltered. Natasha could not remain calm. Seeing him in such a plight, she began to sob aloud. Countess, I have done wrong, Denisov went on in an unsteady voice, but believe me, I so adore your daughter and all your family that I would give my life twice over. He looked at the Countess, and seeing her severe face said, Well, goodbye, Countess and kissing her hand he left the room with quick resolute strides without looking at Natasha. The next day Rostov saw Denisov off. He did not wish to stay another day in Moscow. All Denisov's Moscow friends gave him a farewell entertainment at the Gypsies, with the result that he had no recollection of how he was put in the sleigh or of the first three stages of his journey. After Denisov's departure Rostov spent another fortnight in Moscow without going out of the house, waiting for the money his father could not at once raise and he spent most of this time in the girl's room. Sonia was more tender and devoted to him than ever. It was as if she wanted to show him that his losses were an achievement that made her love him all the more, but Nicholas now considered himself unworthy of her. He filled the girl's albums with verses and music, and having at last sent Dolokhov the whole 43,000 rubles and received his receipt, he left at the end of November without taking leave of any of his acquaintances to overtake his regiment, which was already in Poland. Book five. That's the end of book four. I did not realize until just now that we were reading um, the final chapter in book four. My apologies. I usually uh, give you a little bit of a heads up when we're approaching the end of a book. Wow. Okay, so we've read, that was a short book. I was only, what, 16 chapters in that book. And I only translated one out of those 16, I think. Um, oh, man, I really dropped the ball. Life gets in the way, though. But that does make me feel good that those were, you know, a lot of the last chapters, the last, or oh, the chapters in book four, were all really short. And there's only 16 of them. So when I do get up to translating book four, it shouldn't take me too long. Oh, dear. But I've really dropped behind. You know what? Tomorrow, chapter one of book five, I'm going to give you a translation. Mark my words. Mark them well. I shall translate chapter one of book five. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. I will see you tomorrow.